Pig's Fluff. It's the goof of all time. Look, but don't touch. Touch, but don't taste. Taste, don't swallow. <laughs> and while you're jumping from one foot to the next, what is he doing? He's laughing his sick fucking ass off. He's a tight ass. He's a sadist. He's an absentee landlord. Worship that never. Better to reign in hell than serve in heaven, is that it? Why not? I'm here on the ground with my nose in it since the whole thing began. I've nurtured every sensation man has been inspired to have. I cared about what he wanted, and I never judged him. Why? Because I never rejected him. In spite of all his imperfections, I'm a fan of man! Hey, everybody. I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Andy McIntyre. And we're fans of men. We're fans of movies. (laughs) And this is Silver Linings Playback, the podcast where we watch maligned movies and we find their silver lining. Because we're fans of movies. (laughs) Yeah, no absentee landlords here. No, we are, our nose is in it from day one. Yeah. (laughs) So if you haven't figured it out, uh, we are watching, of course, the devil's advocate tagline. It's not a metaphor. Uh, like, <laughs> oh man, you love a good nineties movie where it's so clear that the name was the pitch. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, <laughs> I just picture a guy in a boardroom, just devil's advocate. And then he just stopped. And then they were just like, so. And then one guy's like, for what? No one, no one pitched anything. He's like, devil's advocate. I, you gotta, then, you gotta say more. I don't. <laughs> no, then they just handed him bags of money with dollar signs on them. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the pitch was Al Pacino plays the devil because I, to me, that's that's the Netflix knows that's the selling point uh, because at least when I played it, the image was just. Al Pacino's face screaming with flames in the background. So, like, well, even because in the movie, Al Pacino being the devil is played as a twist, but it was in all of the advertising. Yeah, I mean, it's a twist, I guess, but if you don't figure it out within the first five seconds of him existing on screen, I, I you know, I mean, God bless you. Yeah, honestly, I, I'm not even going to badmouth you. I, I kind of envy you a little bit if you've got all the way to the end of the movie and you're like, oh, Whoa. oh, that guy's the devil. That makes a lot more sense. I thought he was a New York lawyer who's just looking to really diversify their, uh, you know, to have a criminal division. Uh, yeah, just I just remember the advertising for this and they... I think every commercial for the movie had Al Pacino and like so many names. <laughs> Call me dad. <laughs> oh man. I, it's man. I, I have a feeling we're going to have a lot to say about Al Pacino in this movie. So we should probably save that. Uh, yes. And maybe the proverbial pin. 
Yeah. Maybe take a step back because uh, perhaps you you are younger than us. Maybe you weren't familiar with the 90s marketing campaign. So let's let's set it up a little bit. So this is a movie uh, with John Wick himself. Yes. Uh, Keanu Reeves in his interesting like in between period, but from when like <laughs> this is pre Matrix but post Bill and Ted and Point Break, so like kind of that he hadn't really reinvented himself yet. No, he's it's it's post Speed, which was sort of like right around yeah. Um, and he actually passed up Speed Two to do this movie. Which I think was the right decision, if if you can believe that one of them was the right decision. <laughs> if you had to do one of them, I think I'm doing Devil's yeah. Advocate. It seems way more fun. Yeah. Um, and then you also, look, and I I am such a fan of Charlie's Theron in general. Uh, this is not a good Charlie's Theron <laughs> role. No. Um, it's one of her first movies. Yeah, and I think that's evident she's only 21 in this movie yeah she's like very baby-faced in this movie um yeah it's you know anyways to do a quick synopsis as we talk about why this movie is very justifiably maligned yeah so the uh, the devil went down to florida and he was looking for a soul to steal <laughs> <laughs> oh that <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So um, why Florida? I feel like we could have a very long conversation, but we'll save that for a second just to say. So, yeah. So Keanu Reeves plays. Uh, he's a Florida defense attorney who has never lost a case. And uh, he's that gains the attention of a very powerful New York law firm run by Al Pacino, who's definitely not the devil. Uh, certainly not the devil even though his name is milton like we straight up went his name is the name of the guy who wrote paradise lost which a plus alias uh for the devil to use and and not even just like his last name was milton nope it's john milton the author of paradise lost yeah he's john milton that's his name john dante alighieri milton (laughs) um his name his first name is Beazel, and his last name is bub and uh Anyway, so like, so they they bring him to New York. Uh, he's won over by the money and power and you know uh, beautiful apartment that he's offered, but for working at this firm. Uh, but then, you know, it comes. You know, it, like all Faustian bargains offered by the devil, it comes at the price of his soul. Uh, his wife. Um, you know, like it seems like she figures out what's up way earlier than him, and that drives her, uh, into a, like a mental crisis, uh, and then she takes her own life, and then way too late in the movie, he did not see the promos. Keanu finally figures yeah. out that this guy's the devil. He had already seen everything happen with his wife. He had seen a guy get hit by a car five seconds after trying to <laughs> like recruit him. Right, trying but to recruit him to flip on Milton. But it was still a slow burn, God bless him, for him to piece together what was actually going on. And I think we can put some of the blame on his mom for that. Oh, man, his mom is in the <laughs> Hall of Fame of withholding important information from your... Look, like, you know, I I try not to 
be too difficult. Like, obviously, she had a youthful indiscretion. She had a child. She's been embarrassed about it. But, like, when you run into the devil again with your adult son, who's his son, and you recognize him, the move is not to go back to Florida and not tell your son what's up. Right. Not to do that without a single word. (laughs) One of the many just major flaws in judgment in this movie um another big one so when uh charlie theron kills herself uh she does it, it pretty graphically with uh she breaks a mirror and uses one of the shards of glass to slit her own throat look and, and i don't know if this is where you're going with that one of the worst run like mental health wings of a hospital i've oh, ever yeah. seen not like, where i'm going but <laughs> just worth noting she has access to glass like when she slits her throat uh the one one paramedic shows up and does cpr while that's not... what i was going for yeah yeah <laughs> is that she it's her heart has not stopped beating yeah because she has a very actively bleeding jugular so let's pump that heart to get to get it going again and also make her husband who was putting pressure on the wound leave oh you know what it was what? she was in on it the, oh, she was, the paramedic oh. was in on it yeah. She was in on it. Yeah. Because she could have been saved, but she was in on it. That's what it was. Maybe that's it. But, yeah. But man, it, like that, I was like, this is just such an egregious lack of research. And that just. Well, just me. every. No, everything about that scene, because like they are. Like she's so she gets the hand mirror look that was brought in by someone else. Like maybe you could let that slide in terms of like the writing. But then she locks herself in the room and Keanu is banging on the door and trying to knock the door down. No one comes over from the hospital. No, not a single person. (laughs) Like no one cares at all. And then one paramedic ends up showing up and is very blase and then murders her basically i'm gonna go out on a limb and i don't have a lot of experience with psych wards but i'm gonna guess that those doors don't lock from the inside no that seems like a bad call i'm gonna guess that that's i'm I'm sure they lock from the outside i'm oh yeah i'd be willing to bet a lot of money that they don't yeah, because yeah, she like she uses a chair to wedge between the door. But the idea the door should probably swing out, not in would also right. probably. Yeah, just like, you know, just basic, you know, sort of. But yeah, I just yeah, I, I like the, her stuff is not well done. Like, like, that's the thing is like, you know, I mean, I maybe it sounded like I was throwing Charlie's Theron under the bus, uh, but like her character is just they do her no favors. <laughs> no, they 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 do her dirty, as it were. Yeah. It, and it's like it's a role that should have worked better, but it's just not well can like well thought out at all because she should be like the moral center of the movie. But she right. They just don't. It's not there. She just is a just a victim the whole time with no agency, no anything. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and because most of it, like it's played like she's just this sad sack crapping on Keanu Reeves's success. Well, and the the other problem is Keanu is tempted way too fast, <laughs> like. 
Like the first party that he goes to, he's already like wants to bang the um you know what's her the, the Christabella the, Connie Nielsen yeah Connie Nielsen like he sees her at the party and immediately like leaves his wife with the devil uh you know and and just is like flirting with Connie Nielsen like unrepentantly well yeah and the crazy thing is like he is so horny for Charlize Theron in the first like act of that movie Mm -hmm. just like unprofessionally making out with her in the courtroom at the bar afterwards like it's it's kind of gross yeah that opening courtroom is unprofessional is just the word all around to describe the everything happening in that opening courtroom scene yeah um god in a movie packed with like I, blatantly disturbing imagery that courtroom scene might be the most disturbing in the whole movie yeah it's very upsetting i also they use the actor who played frank sabatka in the wire like i really like that guy and like he's, he's a good actor and he i mean he goes for it he's all in well no yeah and i would expect nothing less from him but it's just yeah very upsetting part like and i, I well also i i don't know the best way to tackle this movie because i feel like there's a lot to dissect but there is this weird so the movie you know, again, like Devil's Advocate, I'm pretty sure it was pitched on the name, you know, and the idea like, I mean, Al Pacino says it like that lawyers are like the the way of the future for there's more people in law school, whatever, like his whole thing about like, I, I understand that if you're the devil. Yeah. Lawyers like that's a good avenue to go after. They they have a lot of control. And, and if you can corrupt the law and, you know, sure, I, I track that. But then like. I don't know. There's a weird thing like that really kind of hit me, you know, uh, and maybe this is just because we've gotten a lot of better lawyer shows. Like you have like Better Call Saul and stuff like that that really examine this of like, I don't think like because this movie seems very fixated on the idea of you can only be a lawyer for innocent people. And if you represent anyone who's guilty that makes you a bad person and i don't think that's true and i don't think lawyers think that's true i think that americans uh, america's legal system is very much built on the idea of everyone deserves due process under the law i think the thing to examine was the way in which you represent them of like yes you know the guy in the beginning or the craig t nelson who's very clearly murdered his wife like they deserve representation under america's legal system and a a good lawyer would believe that but like the way they defend them is what matters like are you willing to lie for your client are you willing to put someone on the stand that you know is not telling the truth but it's like the movie is very fixated on the idea of if anyone is guilty you're a bad person for representing them which is kind of a very i don't know like naive stance i feel like a hundred percent and just the idea that like, the only way you can be a good lawyer is if you never lose. Well, that too. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, they just, because, so, I mean, yes, if someone had a long winning streak of cases, they would draw the attention of probably more high-powered law firms. I think that's reasonable to assume. Especially, yeah, if they're somewhere like Florida and New York might notice the guy in Florida who never loses. That that tracks, sure. Yeah, that. but they play it that if he loses any case, that he might that it would ruin that would be the end of him. Yeah. That um and a good like in the in the He's opening Bill case, Goldberg. <laughs> yeah. He has Kevin to Nash be t- 
Yeah, he has to be 175 and oh, that's his entire gimmick. Right. <laughs> you have to be Bill Goldberg. Otherwise, then there's then they don't know what to do with you after you've lost <laughs> once. Except for bring you back to get two world title reigns 20 years after your initial run. That's it. Yeah, that's what yep, you do. There it is. Uh, uh, which is the John but, Wick franchise. So you know what? This tracks. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. We're all in. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> but just the like, because I think. Keanu Reeves being a good lawyer in the opening case with a guy that's clearly guilty, a good lawyer would plea bargain that probably yeah. before it got to trial. Yeah. Like, and when it's just, well, what's the opening scene? I mean, I don't know how much time I really want to spend examining the opening scene, which is very uncomfortable and terrible. Uh, but like he has, you know, like, I don't know. I mean, I under like, you're in the trial, like just the the fact that like, you know, I just the, the options are like because this goes to the end. His options apparently are discredit the victim or quit the case that there's literally like there, there wasn't another option. <laughs> right. There's no there's no it's this purely binary choice. Yeah. Which um, is, but one thing I will say is that Al Pacino's uh, John Milton character points out to him several times that's like no you had other outs dude you decided that these were the only two options which you know i mean we're still we're still in the maligning portion but i will say is probably the best writing in the movie is that like that the movie that he does like and that is sincere like that and i think that that's what i'm saying is it does i think the problem is that keanu is a little too quick to like like he is from the onset. There's not much of an arc for him, I guess is what I'm saying. He's a pretty bad person from yeah. the first moment. It doesn't he's not really corrupted. He's already we meet him at a point when he's already pretty morally bankrupt, I guess is right. the, the way that I he would doesn't say. that his moral compass is quite loose. Yeah, and I feel like it would have worked better if he had been maybe if he had never lost, but he had done it ethically, but then he has to start making unethical decisions you know but then again you could still have that with pacino's you know john milton kind of being like you don't have to do this you know like just a reminder like it's okay to lose like like i think you could have done more more corrupt he needed to be more corrupted throughout the the span of the movie instead of just starting from a point of you know right he needed to start out pure and get more corrupted as things went on Yes. Uh, but speak, I I think one of the biggest ways to malign this movie is, good Lord, is Keanu Reeves' accent atrocious? And Charlie's Theron's, to be and fair. And Charlie's Theron's. Hers is... Also, uh, uh, like, like, their accents are bad. And then I, you know, I had seen this movie years ago, but then rewatching it now, like, I remember that they had bad Southern accents. But when they said they were from Florida, I was like, wait, what? These are... Florida accents like like they're just bad like cartoon south accents but specifically people from Florida don't sound like that maybe in Gainesville because it's sort of the northern part of Florida but yeah like they're not doing a Florida accent at no, all they're no. doing and Keanu Reeves like he's always he's forever going to have a little bit of Ted Theodore Logan in every performance that he plays. Like it's just, he also just reads California surfer in like, just yeah. his dim like you could be like, he's from Florida and you'd be like, but he grew up in California, right? Like he, 
Right. He might live in Florida now, but he spent a lot of time in Santa Monica. Like that's... <laughs> yeah, like that is just... Uh, but it's also that perplexing thing, because people always make this mistake in movies, and I think the, the easiest one to point to is like Boston movies, you know, where everyone feels like they have to do like a Kennedy accent, where it's like... You could be from Florida and have a neutral American accent. Like there right. are people who live in Florida who sound maybe not exactly like Keanu Reeves, but who certainly sound like Charlie Theron. Like, yeah, you could. You don't have to do. But with Keanu Reeves, he's just like, dude, y'all, my dad's the devil. It's just the whole time. It's 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 so bad. I mean, I love Keanu Reeves, and I'm very, I do too. I'm very happy with our modern Keanu sons. But this is like. There is, I mean, him being a lawyer in this movie and the way that he plays it, it's hard to take it seriously, if I'm being completely honest. Like, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he just doesn't have, like, that's just not his type. Like, that's just, like, I think he's a great, obviously, Ted Theodore Logan. I think he's an amazing John Wick. I think he's good as Neo in The Matrix. Like, I, I think there are a lot of roles that, like, are really great for him this one doesn't he doesn't feel like the guy to play you know southern lawyer who's corrupted by the devil he just doesn't have that gear and well especially because one of the original people that was considered for this role was brad pitt who is a handsome southern boy and yeah. probably could have played it well <laughs> yeah i mean i he would have been eating all the time but oh all the time we would have just been eating hush puppies the whole movie <laughs> i you know i maybe this is giving a peek into the silver lining i don't think that end uh confrontation with the devil could be any better but if you kind of picture brad pitt just eating like a handful of like macadamia nuts the whole time i that might actually be slightly better so it, it might be <laughs> it just... <laughs> um are we, i want to talk are we negotiating uh, always I also um one of I, one of my least favorite cinematic tropes shows up again and again and again in this movie but goddamn I hate time-lapse photography to show the passage of time. <laughs> Man, God, that's wow. I just like, learned this about you, but that's I don't like it, that one doesn't bother me, but man, if that bothers you, like whew. I mean there there are ways to do it well, but Jesus Christ, it's bad. <laughs> like, it's extra bad in this movie. Oh, it's not good in this movie, for sure. I Yeah, um, I, I wouldn't have... I don't think that would have made my top 10 of uh, complaints with this movie. <laughs> I think uh, it's just more... It's it's just it's just so lazy to me. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, no, it's... It's, it's, it, there's it's a very lot. rarely yeah. interesting to look at, and, like, that... It's just yeah. something that... No, it's definitely lazy. I mean, I'm not going to defend time-lapse photography. Like, you know. I mean, I think there's a time and a place that it can work. Um, the end of adaptation right that was exactly what i was thinking of <laughs> that's it. uh you know there there are moments but and it wasn't even like good time lapse it was like really choppy and yeah it, yeah and there's um, definitely i mean there's like a lot of the visual stuff in this movie does not has not aged well no the uh the moving sculpture in the final scene which is funny because in hilarious my, no in my mind i remembered that looking cool at the time but it did not hold up well well and it's not like it's not necessarily bad cgi per se like it's relatively decent for 
late nineties. It just doesn't, it, it's not good. But like the facial expressions on the models they had is like the reference points. It's like the it's very, most clownish. It's very Zoolander. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. I also, by the way, just if we're kind of mentioning random things to malign, I do. I I don't want to give this movie a pass on being the second movie in like a month to have Delroy Lindo completely wasted. Like, yeah. Oh no, we can't can't let that go. Um, what what was why what was Delroy Lindo like? What was his un- character in this movie? <laughs> uncredited is what his character was. He was not in the credits for this movie. Yeah, did he probably at his ins- insistence? Uh, yeah, I was wondering if he pulled his name from the credits. <laughs> like, yeah, he, he plays a bad uh, Caribbean voodoo stereotype, which is one of the cases that Keanu Reeves wins after joining Milton's firm. Mm-hmm. It's his first case for the firm. Yeah. yeah, because he sacrificed a goat. And there was a raid. I didn't really understand the exact particulars of why everyone was so upset about it. But it seemed like Keanu Reeves had a reasonably logical defense and that it's a violation of his religious freedom. Yeah, no, it definitely was. I mean, it's like I just as a note, look, we we narrowly avoided this with Jaws, the revenge. But if I can just give a note to all future uh, silver linings playback. Uh, films don't have voodoo characters please just don't Uh, uh, i would say unless you're doing a movie about voodoo well unless then probably don't do that movie yeah and uh, yeah don't write it especially if that's not your culture and you don't know what you're writing and it's just going to be the same stereotypical thing i've seen in way too many movies that's my time-lapse photography can we stop having Yes. Voodoo please. characters. <laughs> like please, please, please. Um Yes, let's let's do that. Yeah, there was a bunch of other things that I would have like you could have had Delroy Lindo play a guy that Keanu defends. I wish the particulars had been different. Right. Um I also by the way, can we also talk about so here's you know, again, this is in I don't want to be the everything wrong with this movie, but one thing that I don't think makes sense, and I don't know if this bothered you, was so I do think he does. The movie does a good job, and I, I sincerely believe the best writing in this movie is the way in which the devil really has a good case for like I didn't make you, like I didn't make you do anything. You know, right. you, these are all your choices. I think where that breaks down in the structure of the movie, though is the fact that he seems entirely capable of making people do things throughout the movie. Like like when I mentioned the the car that hits uh, the guy, you know, who's trying to get Keanu to turn like state's evidence or the two homeless people, also a bad trope, uh, who beat the principal from Ferris Bueller to death. Like just the... The multiple times that people seem to do whatever he wants them to right at the moment he needs them to. Like, I, I don't know if it's implied that they're demons. Like, I didn't really understand how that was working. That, like, sometimes he seemed very capable of making people do exactly what he wanted at moments that he needed them to. Yeah, it. 
it doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. So like, again, I, you get credit for doing that at times with Keanu of like, I told you to quit the case to take care of your wife. But then like, yeah. So why can you make cars hit people? Right. It's not like he can, he it, like, at times it seems like he's still a like beholden to free will. And at other times he can just make people ignore it or mm-hmm. totally disregard it. Not even give them the option. Yeah, and also a lot of Charlize Theron's character falls under this of like what he what's happening with her is a different movie. Like cuz he's just you know, like she's deemed expendable, so she's just being tortured in a way that has nothing to do with free will because she as you pointed out, she has no agency. Like she's just being tortured. Right. And like the the way that uh the devil is portrayed in this movie He's not sadistic. No. Like, that that doesn't seem to be his jam. Like, he revels in people ruining their lives by making bad choices, but, like, he's not the instrument of torture for the most part. And I actually thought, like, his scene with Charlize Theron, their their first scene together at the party... uh, Yeah, I like that ...is actually a really good scene. Like... I, I felt like they, yeah, the, the movie weirdly just bailed on her character, and I don't really understand why, because it felt like they were starting something of, like, he talked her into cutting her hair, and, you know, like, you you were doing this thing where she was, like, hanging out with the other wives and, like, decorating the apartment, and then you were, like, like it just made a sharp right turn with her and was just, like, now yeah. everything's terrible, and she's seen demon babies eat her uterus. That actually may have eaten her uterus. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. And she also had sex with Al Pacino while he was simultaneously at the courtroom defend uh, when Keanu Reeves was defending Craig T. Nelson. Which is interesting because this movie probably wisely doesn't spend a lot of time explaining how Al Pacino, the devil, is running a New York law firm while also being the devil. Uh, which is probably good, but yeah, they probably don't want to tug on that string. Um, but maybe we should, unless there's anything you deeply have to malign for this, maybe we should pivot to what the silver linings are, even though I think we kind of have addressed it a little bit. Look, I, I have one more because I'm not letting us get to the silver lining without talking about the very end of this movie that I don't understand at all. (laughs) Because, yeah, because so um we we get to you know everything falls apart we we find he finally says that he's the devil and you have keanu and connie nelson and al pacino like all together in the office and they're trying to to convince him to have sex with his half sister to have the antichrist i whatever but all of that's happening and he decides to take his own life to thwart their plans which okay I'm still with you at that point. But then when he does that, everything bursts into flames. Uh, Connie Nelson looks at the Ark of the Covenant, I think. And then she definitely does. (laughs) And then suddenly we cut to the bathroom from the opening scene of him staring in the mirror. And he is now back in that moment. And I'm... I'm not sure the movie like I'll say this the way that it plays feels like 
everything that we've just spent two hours watching was a dream sequence in his head. But I don't think the movie intends that to be what happened, which is way more confusing because I don't understand. So, like, by taking his own life, he got to go back in time? I don't... But to that point, not earlier. (laughs) Right. Not to any... Yeah. That was was the point of divergence where... Because that wasn't when he decided to go to New York. That wasn't when he decided. He already had the attention of the New York lawyer at that point because they were waiting in the courtroom. Yeah. It's not like someone goes down there to recruit and be like, well, if he doesn't win this case. Yeah. Nuts to him. Like, that's not what's happening. And it also, like, he didn't get to go back to, like, the, you know, Frank Sabatka asking him to be his lawyer. He has to be in the middle of the trial. (laughs) Well, and then... So Keanu Reeves then, you know, says he can't defend this obvious child rapist. Yeah. And then the reporter asks him to do an interview about his sudden change of con- conscience. He's like, how I'm going to make you a celebrity is the only lawyer with a conscience. And then it's revealed that the reporter is also the devil. What? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The end is such a mess. Like such a... And then maybe... Most confusing of all, we hit the so we get Al Pacino looking to he's now talking to us, the audience, just to be like, "Hey, I got him." And then they paid money to get a Rolling Stones song, and it was not "Sympathy for the Devil." It was painted black. <laughs> yeah. Which, uh, as my wife Molly said to me, it was like they didn't want to be too on the nose because it's a movie of subtlety. Obviously, this movie is rife with subtlety. It's it's nuance. It's <laughs> the movie where a guy literally carried a box of halo lights behind Al Pacino and Keanu Reeves on the street at one point. <laughs> the movie where Keanu Reeves' suit is literally turning from white to black as as he gets more and more corrupt. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. But I think that's it. So I just I I wasn't going to give that ending a pass. Also, shout out to Neil Jones, uh, who once carried a watermelon in Dirty Dancing, who plays the uh, reporter. Uh, I like that guy. Yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah. Um, I I hated this movie. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely hated it more than me. I don't think it's a good movie, but like you you said it, you thought it was the worst movie that we've done and I don't think it's that bad because we did Van Helsing and Attack of the Clones. So I mean, it's it's there's competition for sure. I mean, it's in the bottom for sure. Uh it, you know, it's definitely not at the top of the list of movies that we've done. Um Really, the silver lining is Al Pacino just yep. devouring the scenery. Yep. Like, no, it, you could watch you could watch that last any scene that he's in, but especially the last scene, uh, like the last scene in the in his a penthouse, whatever. Like his rant that we heard a little clip of at the beginning and all that. Like he's the he's the silver lining of this movie, and it's nothing else. Yeah, and I mean, so I agree, and there's nothing else. Like I don't have anything else to bring up, so we can spend a little bit more time talking about why he's the silver lining. Because one, I will say that when I was trying to pick a clip for the beginning, he says so much great stuff and delivers it so well that that's like a ten minute scene of him just saying great things as Al Pacino, and I had trouble picking which part of it to use because it's all gold, honestly. Uh, so there's that, but also like just the exact right time to have gotten Al Pacino for this movie, because 
I I have a very tumultuous relationship with Al Pacino. I think he is one of like in the 70s. I think he's one of the greatest actors in the 1970s. I think his like obviously the Godfather, but Dog Day Afternoon, like he's Serpico Serpico. Like he's a great actor in the 70s. And then he did Scent of a Woman, which he won an Academy Award for. And then at some point he went like he just lost the ability to do any kind of subtle acting and he became a parody of himself for a long time but this movie is right in the sweet spot of 100 of where you know the role calls for it he's playing this character exactly how this character should be played and he's not too over the top like he's he's really crushing it and like no he's He's great. It's perfect. It's perfect casting. It which is funny because I saw that he apparently passed on this when they first offered it to him. He he was hesitant to play the role and they convinced him. But he didn't think he was right for the part. And I'm like, I can't picture anyone else playing this part. Like No, I really can't. I mean, like if there's such an expression as exactly on the top. <laughs> yeah. No, he's it's the performance that this movie needs. And maybe with Brad Pitt playing opposite of him it would have been I don't know, something. But uh there, I, there's enough problems with the writing and some of the other stuff. Yeah, it still wouldn't have been I don't know that. Yeah. But but man, like he is exact like cuz he's charming in the way that like he should be charming and yeah. he's likable in the way that he should be likable. And then he's sadistic in the way that like it's like he really nails it. And and just like, I mean, he does ham it up, but exactly how much it needs to be hammed up. Yeah. And his speech at the end, like really works for the kid. Like, I understand. Again, I, I think the writing kind of does a disservice, but like I, I kind of understand his perspective of like, I understand this devil, you know, like yeah. where, where he's coming from and his point of view. Um. Uh, it works like it, it, it. No, he's yeah, he's unequivocally great in this movie. He really is like I I still think this like and I honestly I don't think you're wrong to say this is a terrible movie. I think he makes me like the movie more than I should because of how much I enjoy him in this role. Yeah, I think that's entirely like I mean, this is. This is one of the few like truly great acting performances in any of the movies that we've watched so far. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, it is. It might be the best character in a movie that we've watched, honestly. <laughs> like just uh, I mean, this part this his role in this movie is tailor-made for what we give silver linings to. Yeah. Because yeah. It, it like every time when when someone delivers the exact performance that the movie requires, which is the case here. I mean, he this like I I could even see like him getting no notes from the director. Like this was just like it was all take ones, like Yeah. Like, he just did it. Did it like a play. Yeah, and I, I feel like, and especially at the end, because, again, in the end that, like, where the movie feels like it's falling apart anyway, because we're coming off of all this stuff with Charlie's there, and that's really bad. But then, like, when he shows up at, and again, I think it's important to note that it's a movie that thinks that this is a reveal, but it's not a reveal at all. Right. But the fact that it feels like something, because what it really is, is it's now... Al Pacino has been given <laughs> the green light to be like, okay, this is your time to reveal that you're the devil. And what does that mean? And that means go to 12. <laughs> like, and he's like, 12, I'll go to 24. <laughs> he's an absentee landlord. 
<laughs> That's great work. It's truly it, it's like watch those scenes, ignore the rest of the movie. I will by the way, I again he's the silver lining. I, I will give an honorable mention to Connie Nielsen, who is the only other person who gives a performance worth remembering in this movie. Uh, because she understands the character that she's playing and her character is not well written and barely has anything to do. But like she does a really good job taking up space in that last yeah. scene where she's just smoking and just being like, I've already accepted all of this. I'm on board. Right. Like, it's like, I'm in, baby. <laughs> she is the most one note of characters, but the performance is way more interesting than it has any right to be, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, she um no, she she definitely brings a certain charisma to the part that like you know, she's everything you want like a femme fatale temptress to be in a movie. Um I wish yeah. they had given her more to do, but given her does she have any lines? Like I don't even know. I don't even remember. <laughs> she has lines cuz she has an she has like three scenes because she has the scene where she first meets Keanu like on the balcony. Then she has she's the one who's like comforting him when the the principal from Ferris Bueller dies uh, and then at the end. But she she barely had like in the dialogue at the end. It's we haven't really we didn't talk about the fact that like so they're trying to get him to have sex with her and she's his half sister. Uh, It's very Game of Thrones. But uh, uh, basically Al Pacino is just like I said, he's at like 15 and he's just giving his speech and uh like she's like just tune him out just focus on me i'm hot you want to bang me and then like <laughs> they do close ups of her and keanu to kind of show like they, look this is this is filming this is intimacy they have in- and then al pacino's head like pops up over her shoulder <laughs> to say more weird stuff just a plus like, it's it's ridiculous. It's that um, whole scene. I think that's really what I'm saying is like he's great the whole time, but like that scene should not work, and it works because of Al Pacino. Hundred <laughs> no, you you have any anyone else in that role, and it's maybe Jack Nicholson could have made it work. It would have been interesting. Yeah, um, I'd watch but, it. I'd I'd see the audition for sure. Yeah, I mean he's played the devil before, so it's not necessarily new ground, but. Yeah, it's this. It's this was Al Pacino, the role he was born to play. <laughs> it really is. I I think it might be his best work. I don't know <laughs> if that's true. I know he won an Academy Award for a different movie. It's look. It's not going to win me any favors with any of you to say that I don't particularly like that performance. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I mean, that was clearly a lifetime achievement Oscar. Yeah, so. no, for sure. Like he, it's he's good in it, but. It's not. It, that's not the movie that he should have won an Academy. It's Award not Michael for. Corleone. It's not Dog Day Afternoon. It's not. Any, I also a lot of other great movies that he's done. I also maintain that I think it's what ruined his acting career because he's like, oh, oh, I get an Academy Award if I do this. If I start yelling all the time. <laughs> Which it's truly a shame that I don't think Heat is a maligned enough movie to ever get to talk about his amazing because she had a great ass. You had your head all the way up the it. Way up it. I love that. I love Heat. I unequivocally. So uh, his that is a movie that he does not give a performance that is called for, but it's something to behold. That's that's very true. Um, yeah. So I'm, watch. I guess if you want to do the work to get to where this scene feels like a climax, watch this movie. 
But the scene at the end is just so bananas. You could honestly just fire it up on Netflix and skip straight to the end. Like, just watch the last 20 minutes and then stop it when uh, Keanu Keanu Reeves shoots himself. And then whatever. Why not roll credits there? Why well, not right. No, say? and that's thank you because, and I, I know we're supposed to be in the silver lining, but it's just what I was saying to you before we started this show is I really do love horror as a genre, and one of the reasons I love it is because it's one of the few like modern American like genres of film where they'll have tragic endings, which I is like obviously was a fundamental part of theater for a long time, and at some point it feels like. Hollywood decided people want happy endings and most of the time we do and like you don't need to be Joss Whedon and just be like I'm gonna kill people to kill people but like sometimes movies should have tragic endings and this is a good example of a movie that probably should have just rolled credit on like he can't he's too far gone but the one thing he can do is thwart this plan in the only way that he can right yeah because there's no reason that this should have thrown such a wrench into the devil's issues. Well, also either. because five minutes before it happens, the devil says he has a bunch of kids. Right. So why why are you this invested in this one? Aren't you? Also, you can be everywhere at once. Can't you be doing 50 versions of this with like 50 other Keanu's like out in the world? Right. A million Keanu's strapped to a million typewriters. Couldn't you get the Antichrist? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and like clearly Connie Nielsen's on board for whoever. <laughs> like, yeah, she's she's down to clown 100%. <laughs> so, like, um, just find a new Keanu. One last thing in that scene that I feel like I have to point out. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> when Keanu, like, point blank asks him if he uh, had sex with his wife, <laughs> and he goes, like, on a scale of 10 being the most craven, debaucherous, everything that ever happened, and one being a typical night at the Lomax house. About a seven. I like, I want to know how he picks seven. That's great. Like, that's so good. It's no, it's amazing. It's also, I love that scale because at no point, no number on that scale implies that they didn't have sex. So, but he went seven. He could have said 10, he could have said 12. He said seven. It feels seven. weirdly meaner, I feel like, because it's so specific. <laughs> like that. And it's another thing where I don't think anyone else could have delivered that the way that Al Pacino did. It's just... You know what? I, while, hey, look, since, since I... I brought this down a little bit. I want to. I want to stay on the the silver linings trail to also give a shout out to because I genuinely liked this line and the delivery of like Keanu because he's negotiating. He's trying to decide what he's going to do, and he says something about like, "But we we're destined to lose." And it's just like Al Pacino's consider the source. And I was like, <laughs> you know, that's a good point. You know, like that's fair. <laughs> yeah. This um yeah, so this I will say maybe not the worst movie we've watched, the clearest silver lining of any movie that we've watched. Oh, yeah, because it's it's him. It's him and it's just him and that's definitely yeah. And that's it. Yeah. And I could spend another <laughs> like we're going to wrap it up, but I could keep talking about how much I loved him in this movie cuz Yeah, no, he was great. He was he was exactly <laughs> Like it was, it was the sweet spot. It was, he was on the top as, as it were. 
Oh, you know what? I just I I want to mention his punches. I liked his little punches when he's because he was very he, clearly that fight that Mayweather fight like really yeah. Uh but he does little punches. It was Roy when, Jones. It was uh, Roy Jones Jr. Right? Was it? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I think you're. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, clearly he was inspired by by the the fight and like he he's got some moves. Yeah, El Pacino, man, silver lining, hundred oh, yeah. percent, all day, every day. Something tells me this is not the last time Mr. Pacino will show up on this podcast, and maybe not the last time that he's the silver lining of the thing we're watching. I think that's I think that's a safe bet. That is that is a bargain I would take. But you know, that's me and my perspective, cause I'm a humanist. I'm a fan of man. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> so many names. Call me dad. Silver Linings Playback is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. How many times has this happened to you? I just want to listen to a podcast. I can't choose from all these complicated structures and setups. You want to listen, not think. That's why there's Hobo Radio. You'll feel like the smartest guy in the room in a room by yourself. This doesn't take any intellectual thinking at all. Thanks, Hobo Radio. Hobo Radio, a weekly podcast on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network.